0: happy tonight? You'll notice I'm holding a box. Now I want you to notice something. I'm going to do a little simple illustration, and then we're going to pray. And this needs to go on radio as well. So for the radio folks, I'm holding a box. It doesn't look like a gift. It was gift wrapped, but I couldn't find the gift wrapping, and so I want you to pretend it's gift wrapped, okay? Now let's just say I came up to you, and I said... Donna, I said, I want to give you a gift, and and, and I want to give you this gift, uh, and it's, it's just for you, and it's a perfect fit for who you are, and I want you to take it from me to you. Now, let me ask you, how many of you think she'd make it home before opening it? How many of you think she might make it to her car before opening it? But how many of you believe once she got into her car, it's open? Right? Isn't that right? Now, that's what a gift is for, right? When you're given a gift, what's the first thing you want to do? Open Open it. Well, let me show you what came in this box because this came to me this week, and then I'm going to apply a little illustration for you. But, you know, I told you, and it's a praise report that our Church, you, the congregation of Turning Point, was able to give uh, almost almost forty fourteen thousand dollars to buy shoes for children for Christmas, and it bought almost approximately four thousand pairs of shoes. So, four thousand children that had no shoes got shoes Christmas time, and Amen. Isn't that good? To so praise God. So that we did it through the James Robinson organization. And so I opened up this box when it came to me, and James has sent this to us, this beautiful statue of a lady carrying water with an infant on her back, and that's the kind of folks we sent the shoes to because they're living in such poverty, they have no shoes, and isn't that beautiful? So first thing I wanted to do when I saw this and it came from James Robinson, I wanted to... Now, when God gives you... A gift the Bible says, as each one has received a what yes. that's first peter four seven as each one has received a yes. minister it to one another in other words, first thing you want to do when you learn you've gotten a gift is you want to no no, no, open it and then and then use it. And so isn't it funny, if we're given a gift like a Christmas gift, we immediately open it, but when we learn that God's given us all a gift, we're not so eager to open it. But we ought to be, because if I give you a gift, I can give you a nice gift, but I can't give you anything like the Father can give you. Amen? So we're looking tonight at motivational gifts. We've all got one, 1 Peter 4, 7, as each one has received a gift minister open it and minister it to one another so let's pray and then we're going to talk about motivational gifts father we thank you tonight that you're with us as we open up the scriptures and learn the gifts that you've given us and lord i pray that you'll give us the motivation to open them and use them and see the beauty of what you've given to us lord i pray open our eyes tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Now, will you breathe a prayer, church, and say, Lord, tonight, speak to me on what you've given to me as a gift, and help me to open it and to use it for the blessing of the people of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, open it. Open it. Open it. Amen. Now, next week, we're going to start what book? Hebrews, 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 Hebrews. and it's really, really good. Everybody say with me, better. Now, if you want one word that encapsulates the whole book of Hebrews, it's better. And And we're going to learn how what God did for us in Jesus Christ, in every sense of the word, is better, 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 better than anything else, amen? Now, last week, We talked about the first two motivational gifts that are found in Romans 12, 6 to 8, and they were prophecy and serving. And this time we're going to cover the remaining remaining five motivational gifts because there's seven in all. So let's read them just one more time in Romans 12, 6 to 8, where these seven gifts are found. Paul the Apostle writes, Having then gifts differing according to the grace given to us, Let us what, everyone? Everybody looking up there with me? So let's try that. Let us. I like interactive teaching. I I like knowing that you're out there. So we're to use them. What good is it if you don't use it? Now, here comes the list. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. If it's ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts an exhortation. He who gives, give with liberality. He who leads, do it with diligence. He who shows mercy, do it with cheerfulness. Now, again, what is a motivational gift? What is it? A motivational gift is a supernatural, God-given gift accompanied with a strong inner desire to use it I firmly believe whatever God has put in you, he will give you a desire to use it. He will give you a desire to operate in it. I never had a cloud formation in the sky. I never had a big booming voice say to me, preach the word. No, for me, it became a burning, almost overwhelming desire. God led by desire. You say, is that in the Bible? Yes, it is God who works in you. Both to will, that's desire, and to do. That's the ability to do what he's given you a desire to do. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do. Of what? His good pleasure. All right? So when God calls us, he gives us that inner desire, and then he graces us to do it. He doesn't tell a bird to fly without giving it wings. God helped the bird that wants to fly, but it has no wings. God gave, you know, a lion, wanted a lion to roar, so he gave him an incredible roar that paralyzes his victims when he roars. We know a lion by the roar, all right? He wanted antelope to be able to run, so he gave them the ability to go at high speed, or the cheetah, which can go 80 miles an hour in, in a quick spurt, 80 miles an hour. But he didn't say to the cheetah, run, and then not give it the legs to do it. He didn't give you a a call to to open your gift and use it, but he's going to give you the ability to move in that gift. All right? So here's what I've learned a long time ago. That when you operate in your gift, you get maximum results with minimum effort. If you don't operate in your gift, you have minimum results with maximum effort. All you're doing is trying to make something happen. But when you move in your gift, it it flows like butter. It's natural. Because God put that gift in you. Amen? I can't administrate. I I don't organize. Now, my life is organized, but I'm not an organizer over church stuff. So I bring people in who can do it for me. Because I know what I have, and I know what I don't have. Amen? And, And And so... But I move. I move in one gift. My gift is the word, and that's the only one I move in. I don't sing, as all my people are always letting me know. I don't. I don't dance. I don't. You know. I, listen. What I do is I do the word, and so I make the most out of my gift. And when I flow in my gift, I get maximum results with minimum effort because it flows. But if I tried to administrate, believe me, I would get minimum results with maximum effort. All right. So a motivational gift is that supernatural, God-given gift accompanied with an inner desire to use it. So let's jump right into the third motivational gift of teaching. Teaching. He says, teaching. He he who teaches, in teaching. In other words, if if you've got the gift of teaching, then teach. Now, what is teaching? The motivational gift. The motivational gift of teaching is seen as somebody who instructs, clarifies and is strongly motivated to preserve the truth. Truth is crucial to the teacher, and they emphasize that to the church. How many of you know that a lot of things that we're told are true are not true out there in our culture? Here's the conclusion every child of God has got to come to. Let God be true and every man a liar. If God's word says it's true, it's true. If God's word says it's wrong, it's wrong. If God's word says it's right, it's right. A person with the motivational gift of teaching has a sensitivity to the accuracy of words, especially the biblical definition and usage of terms. Have you guessed yet that I've got a little bit of teacher in me? I do. I'm called... My calling is preaching and teaching. That's my call, preaching and teaching. But man, am I a word person? And if you're a teacher, you're a word person. You want to know what words mean. When a teacher comes to a passage of scripture, they won't slip across words that you and I might just skim right over. For instance, you may read the word exhortation many times without ever wondering what it actually means if you don't have that, that motivational gift of teaching. But a person with a gift of teaching isn't going to jump right over it. They're going to get a concordance, and if they know the languages, they're going to get the Greek and the Hebrew, and they're going to check it out to find the real meaning of that word. That's the teacher. I mean, yeah, I, I love words. I love words. Now, some of you are going, man, I could care less about words. But see, if you've got the motivational gift of teaching, you're going you're gonna to care a whole lot about words, and you want to know exactly what that word means in the Bible so that you can teach it accurately, okay? The person with this teaching motivation gets as much joy in researching as they do in delivering the final message. They love researching. Now, most of you are going, I know I don't have that gift, but the the, the one with the teaching motivation has it, and they love researching, and for them, it's as much a joy to research as it is to teach it. They're very motivated to check out the truthfulness and accuracy of other teachers. They want to know if what that teacher is saying is biblical because they care about the flock of God. And so if it's not biblical, they may not name names, but they will tell you this particular teaching is a little bit off. And I don't want you off. I want you on. Accurately understanding the truth. So the motivational gift of teaching brings full focus onto discovering and teaching the truth, and nothing but the truth. The verse that best describes this person is Paul's injunction to Timothy, where he said, be diligent, now this is a teacher's verse, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Another version, rightly dividing the word of truth. That means you study it, until you know that you have gotten it right, and then you can handle it and teach it accurately to the people. Now, as I go over this about the teacher, is the Holy Spirit nudging you with the words, this is you, this is you. If it's you, it's rising up within you right now, going, oh yeah, I witnessed to that, oh yeah, amen. I love researching, I love truth, I love looking at words, I love getting it right. If you're a teacher, raise your hand. You got that teaching motivation. Amen. Amen. It's a good one. And we need you. We need you. Now, the fourth motivational gift that Paul lists is exhortation. Exhortation. Now, the person with this motivational gift is one who encourages another to pursue a right course of conduct. The Greek word is paraklesis. It sounds like paralysis, I know, but it's not. The Greek word is paraklesis, which is the same word used for the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I send the comforter to you. Uh, it's to your advantage that I go back to heaven so I can send you the comforter. If you look in the Greek language, the word comforter there is parakletos, and it means one called alongside. It's a compound word. And so para, the first part of the word, means to the side of, to come alongside of. And klesis means to call. So the comforter, the Holy Ghost, is sent to come alongside us. Call to come alongside us and help us and guide us and strengthen us and be there when we're hurting, be there when we're under attack, be there when we need the peace of God. How many of you are thankful The Holy Ghost has been called to come alongside you. Come alongside you. That's what he does. So the meaning is calling to one side, to aid, to to come alongside somebody else, to encourage or to admonish them to choose a godly lifestyle or to obey the Lord in a certain thing. See, the person with the motivational gift of exhortation is always coming alongside you. You're in church, and all of a sudden, here's the exhorter. They come alongside you. And they're saying, hey, how you doing? Praise the Lord. And you go, well, I'm kind of struggling. But listen, you can make it, man. You've got it. The Lord's with you. You're going to come out on the other side. Be, Be strong. Be courageous. And before you know it, you were here, and now you're up here. What happened? An encourager came alongside. Amen. And I love those people. I love taking them on vacation with me. Amen. I love encouragers, right? So all of the exhorter's efforts are geared towards edifying and encouraging others. And of all the apostles, Paul is the one with the most apparent motivational gift of exhortation. When we look at the first three or four verses of every letter he wrote, you ought to go home and do it. Uh, Look at every letter he wrote. Look at the first three or four verses. And you will find encouragement right at the very beginning. He'll say, I love you. I miss you. I wish I could be there. I want to be with you. I'm praying for God's grace and mercy for you. Faithful is he who calls you also will do it. He's an encourager. He's an exhorter. And like Paul, the exhorter is always helping people to have hope. That's why I love them. Because they they, they want you to have hope. When you've been with an encourager, when you walk away, you're going to have more hope, feel more encouraged than you did before you got with them. Now, the opposite person is what we call a VDP. A VDP is a very draining person, all right? And when you get with them and they talk to you for a while, you walk away with your shoulders like this and going, oh my gosh, the world's coming to an end. What am I going to do? But when you get with the exhorter, they're the opposite. They're very encouraging people and they pick you up. Amen? Amen. Paul says, be thankful in all things. This is the will of God for you in Jesus Christ. That's an example of his exhortation. Be thankful in everything. It's gonna work out for your good. The motivation of an exhorter is to see spiritual growth take place in everyday living. They love to see people grow spiritually. They have a motivation to encourage you to full maturity in Jesus Christ. And that's Paul. I mean, that's Paul, stem to stern. I'm praying for you, that you will grow into the fullness of the stature of Christ. I am laboring over you till Christ be formed in you. Over and over again, his burden is that we would grow into everything God's got for us, and that's the exhorter. And they're willing to become personally involved in your success. And what I love about the exhorter is this. They see opportunities, not obstacles. Can I say that again? When you're in a challenge, they see an opportunity and not an obstacle. They see challenges, not trials. They see possibilities, not problems. They turn problems into benefits. They unquestioningly believe, Romans 8, 28, that, hey, God is going to work everything together for your good. For you are called according to his purpose. And who wrote that? The greatest exhorter among the apostles, the apostle Paul. Amen? How many of you have a good exhorter anywhere in your life? You got a good exhorter in your life? Amen. Aren't they wonderful? I mean, you ought to thank them because they're helping you. They're blessing you. I, I, I tell you, when I was coming up in ministry and I was having such, um, oh, I don't know, self-image issues and insecurity issues, and I didn't believe that anybody could possibly be blessed by anything that I could have to say, God added to me, I'm telling you before God is my witness He's he's watching me as I say this. He added to me a particular couple. He was a Braniff Airlines captain. That's when Braniff existed. He was a Braniff Airlines captain, and he had been an alcoholic. As a matter of fact, he was a good Baptist, but he was an alcoholic. And in the Billy Graham crusade, he went to a Billy Graham crusade, sang in the choir, and while he's singing in the choir, he had a flask of vodka right here in his vest. So he did his best with what he knew, but then God touched him mightily with the Holy Spirit, and he became another man. And God set him free of the alcohol, bang, like that. And him and his wife were, were, were added into my life. I met them in a Bible study, and I was, had hair down to here, parted down the middle, wire rim glasses, bell-bottom blue jeans, uh, pulled out of hippiedom and drugdom, and I met them. And little did I know that, and I think I was 19, God added them into my life until just a few months ago, he finally died. And all these years, they were encouragers to me. And when I first started in the ministry, man, Jeff, you did great. Man, God's all over you. God's gonna use you. You've got a gift with the word of God. Come on, Jeff, you can do it. And they would give me visions and and pictures and encouragements constantly. Even when I knew they were lying to me. Even when I knew. You know, I didn't do so hot. But, but we'd walk away, and they'd say, oh, man, you really did? Did you see all those kids come to Christ? And they would say these things. And never did I ever talk to them, but they did not encourage me. And they became sort of the spiritual parents that I never had. And for decades, God used these exhorters And I'm telling you, I don't think, well, I might be here, but I wouldn't have gotten here as confidently without them. Amen? It's true. And I'm indebted to them. And I preached his funeral a few months ago, and it was all I could do to get through it, seriously, because this this man was my spiritual father for, wow, decades. Amen? Amen. So, thank God for the exhorters, the motivational gift of exhortation. Amen. Now, you ought to all be exhorters. Don't get me wrong. I said, Well, I don't have that gift, so I'm not exhorting anybody. No, you ought to exhort people all the time, but the one with the motivational gift is driven all the time to do it because that's their desire. Now, the fifth motivational gift is giving. Everybody give the Lord a hand of praise for that gift. He says, let he who gives do it with liberality. Now, the Greek word here for giving is metadidomi, metadidomi, and it means to give over, to share, to impart. And Paul said, those of you with the motivational gift of giving, which I'll describe more in a moment, he said, do it with simplicity, do it with sincerity, and do it freely, all right? In fact, in Romans 12, 13, Paul expands on how this gift is to be used. He says in the King James Version, distributing. Everybody say distributing. Now, here's the gift of giving, distributing. To, to what? The necessity of the saints. So the one with the motivational gift of giving is a distributor of finances to people who don't have them. All right? They distribute to the necessity of of the saints of God in particular. And they're to be given to hospitality. Now that's the King James. In the New International Version, the NIV, it says, share with God's people who are in need. Share. So distribute, share, give, practice hospitality, invite people into your home, let your door be open to the people who need it and give to those who don't have like you do. Now, the person who most personifies the profile of a giver in the New Testament is Matthew. If you want to know about finances, church, money or good stewardship, you're going to find it in one of two places in your Bible, in Matthew or in Proverbs. Those are the two main books. Matthew records more about money, stewardship, and resources, and finances than any other New Testament writer. Matthew, all right? Proverbs full of financial wisdom as well. Now, here's the definition of the spiritual motivational gift of giving. This is this person has the ability to earn money for the advancement of God's work and to give it with wisdom and a cheerful heart. I've never known anybody with the spiritual motivational gift of giving that did not have a knack for making money. So right here, how many of you would love to claim the gift? Amen? Because this person has an ability. It's just, I've watched them. They they know how to invest. They can sense where they can get money, and they earn money, but they don't earn it for themselves. Uh, They may live in a nice house, drive a nice car, but they have this motivation as a child of God It's a a desire in them both to will and to do, to to take some of their money and look for the best places to sow it that will best advance the kingdom of God, and they sow it. And they sow a lot. A person with the gift of giving has a keen ability to, to discern wise investments in order to have more money available to give. And the person with this gift prefers to give quietly, without public notice, they'll often say, hey, look, I don't want public acknowledgement or attention. This is between us. Don't tell anybody. I don't want anybody to know. This is between you and me. And this is in line with what Jesus taught in Sermon on the the Mount. Jesus said, when you give, don't don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. For the Father who sees you give in secret will reward you openly. But if you give to be seen by men, that's your motivation. Then you got your reward right there. That was it. Soak it up, lap it up, because that's all you're going to get. And what is it? Ooh, do you know how much they gave? And that's why you do it. The the person giving with the wrong motive, the offering plate comes around, they pull out that $100 bill, and they pop it. So that everybody looks, and then they go and drop it in. All right, you just got your reward. When everybody went, ooh, did you see that? It wasn't a 10, it wasn't a 20, it was a 100. You got it right there. Jesus said, you're not gonna get a reward from heaven. But if you give with the motive of blessing God's work and you're not doing it for the praise of men, he said, I'm gonna openly reward you. Amen? Amen. Now, but the person with the motivational gift of giving almost always never wants to be known, never want it known. Recently, I was praying for some finances for our radio outreach. I said, oh God, you know, I want, I want to do these certain things, but there's no way I can do it unless you bring in the finances. So I'm going to know if you want me to do it, if you bring in the finances. And what I needed was not small change. So I said, I began to pray. I said, God, here's what I need. And I told him. It came down to around 5,000 a month. Well, I have that like I have a hole in the head. Okay? So I said, what are we going to do? Okay? A person in our church asked to meet with me. And they said this to me. They said, Pastor, God has just been putting it on my heart to bless you above the tithe with something that you need for the work of the Lord. Okay, now my antennae are starting to go up and I'm starting to get Holy Ghost bumps. So I said, well, how much are you talking about? And they said, oh, about 5,000 a month. The truth, before God, it's true. And I said, would you be open to that being used To advance the radio show? Oh, I would love that. But pastor, don't tell anybody that I did this. Well, now I can do this because you don't know who it is. It could be somebody in here. I'll never tell. But that's the first thing they requested. Don't tell anybody. So the next week, they handed me a check for $60,000 to cover a whole year. And they said, now you don't have to worry about it. I took that and I got on my face and I said, Thank you, Jesus. And I mean, folks, to the dime. And this person knew nothing of what I was praying about. But see, they have the gift of giving. God has blessed them with a lot of money and they had a gift of giving. Amen? So, isn't that beautiful? And so now our show is going to do all kinds of new things. And that person is going to get a reward for all the people that are reached. all Because it was all for the word of the Lord to be advanced around the world. Amen? The person with the gift of giving loves learning that their gift is a direct answer to prayer. And when I told them, hey, this is a direct answer to prayer, it made their night or their day. It was in the daytime. They say, praise the Lord. They get the same sense of spiritual fulfillment that you and I would get with any other answer to prayer. Givers know instinctively the highest and the best use of their gift. And that is when they're being led to give into the work of the kingdom of God. And they're especially thrilled when somebody says, how did you know I needed this? This is an answer to prayer. Now, most churches won't have an abundance of people with this gift, but God places a few in every church, and I'll be open with you. I I pray for these kind of people. I do, because they're a gift to the body of Christ. There's so many things we wanna do that we can't do because the finances aren't there. There's a lot of things we can do, but there's many other things I would do, we would do to take the word around the world that we can't right now, Because the finances aren't there. But thank God for mercy drops like that. Amen? Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that tonight? Amen. Now, is the Holy Spirit saying, that's you? That's your gift. If it is, you probably already know it. Now, the sixth motivational gift is leading. Oh, this is a big one. This is so important. The King James... Calls it ruling. It says, he that ruleth with diligence. The NIV says, translates it leadership. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. Now, the Greek word here is proistemi. Proistemi. It's a compound word, and I'm going to tell you what it means. Pro means before. All right? Everybody say pro. In the Greek, that means before, to come Before. Iste me" means to stand. All right? So the literal meaning is to stand before people to preside or to lead. It is somebody who stands before. All right? It describes the person who rules over others or oversees, gives oversight to other people and tasks to be accomplished. It has to do with leadership organizing, and giving the uh, direction. It's the person who's always up front saying, come on, let's go. Come on, everybody, let's go. I see where we're going. I know what it's gonna take to get there. Come on, let's go. It's a leader, amen? Interestingly, proistemi, we find that Greek word outside the Bible in the Greek world being used to Describe somebody piloting a ship, steering it through the rocks safely to port. Uh, Homer, for instance, might have used that that in the Iliad, the Odyssey. Uh, That Greek word, proistemi, uh, the person who's guiding a, a ship carefully past dangerous rocks safely to shore, and there you have the leader. The leader. So probably the best word to describe this person today would be the gift of administrator. It's a gift. I don't have it, but I have people around me that do. Administrator. Here's the definition of this gift. Proiste It's a person with the ability to coordinate the activities of others for the achievement of a common goal. That's just real simple. A person with the ability to coordinate the activities of others for the achievement. They pull everybody together to get a certain job done. All right? We think of a coach, right? A, a football coach. They, they pull that team together and organize them and give everybody their place so that they can win games. They are administrators. If a coach doesn't have the gift of administration, he's dead in the water. If you're a coach... You've got to have that gift, but spiritually, God gives people this gift to carry the church of Jesus Christ from point A to point B. Amen. They're able to organize and direct people towards a specific goal. They see that everything's done decently and in order. Projects and tasks are done in a way that promotes the work of God and the personal growth of those involved. Two people around me right now have that. Valerie has that, and Pastor Brendan has this. I believe Brendan. I have never told you that, but I believe that. Are you okay with that? All right. He teaches, but he's an administrator. So is Valerie. So, so I lean on them because I don't administrate. I'm a visionary, but I don't. I, I, I'm not an administrator. Don't amen me too loud, Valerie and Brendan. But see, so, but I'm not proud. I, I'm not going to say. Well, it, this is a one-man show, so I'm going to run everything, whether or not I have the gift. You know why? I don't want to have a nervous breakdown. So I, I'm, I welcome the various gifts around me to help me get where God is showing us to go. Amen? And you ought to be the same way. Don't be so proud that you can't let people help you. Amen? Amen? What a valuable and needed gift this is in the church of Jesus Christ. It's a God-given capacity to organize and administrate with such efficiency and spirituality that not only is the project brought to a satisfactory conclusion, but it's done harmoniously and with evident blessing. You want to put these people in charge of building programs, building projects. And the person in the Bible who personifies the profile of administrator the best is Nehemiah. He was the leader of the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem after they returned from Babylonian captivity. He had been the cupbearer of the king, but God put a burden on his heart to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and Cyrus released him to do it. And if you want to get a real picture of what an administrator looks like, go home and read the Old Testament book of Nehemiah, because Nehemiah was a master administrator. Amen? Amen. A couple of characteristics of this gift would be, first, they see the bigger picture. The person with this gift sees the bigger picture. They get the long look. They see not only where you are, but where you're going to be and where they want to take you. All right? They can visualize a project from the beginning to the end. When a major project is given to an administrator, they're able to picture the completed task and what it will take to accomplish it. Now, this is not my primary gift at all. However, there have been times when God did give this to me. When we got this building, oh my, folks, I can't tell you. Um, Everybody I brought to this building left crying because it was terrible. It was in terrible shape. Cars were where you're sitting now. This was a garage, a big warehouse. Uh, Back on the other side of the building, it was former chiropractic offices, and they were dismal. Homeless people had mattresses in this building where they came at night and slept. Rats. And the outside was just as bad as the inside. And when I brought my elders over here and showed them the building, I'm quoting them. Pastor Jeff, we can do better than this. But God spoke to me, and God said, that's your building. Now, let me tell you, I saw the end before the beginning began. I saw what it would be. We're not done yet. We still have the outside. That's the final frontier, and it's going to be very pretty when we're done. But the inside now, completely done. But I saw it, and because I saw it, I was able to, with faith, go for it. And believe God. It's like when God saves you and me. Do you think you look pretty? You think God looks at you and the wreckage sin has made of your life and mine? Do you think God looks and says, Oh, you know, uh, they look great. No, look, when we get saved, we need massive renovation, we need massive rebuilding, we need massive restoration and healing. How many of you can say, I know that's true? I know that's right. I mean, because sin wrought havoc on us. We got all kinds of stinking thinking and terrible habits and all kinds of guilt and residue from sinful lifestyles. And what does God do? God comes into our lives and he goes to work on the inside and he renovates us. I saw the building the way God saw me when he saved me. And that's what the administrator does all the time. Like the prophetic motivation, the administrative gift has vision. They are visionary people with a broad perspective and upholding that vision for others to see they can inspire a great accomplishment. And we need them because Proverbs twenty nine eighteen tells us, where there is no vision, the people perish. Vision is needed to keep people in focus and administrators are able to provide this. Amen? When it's a project, hallelujah. And usually... They're self starters. You don't have to be prodded. Just like you don't have to convince the person with the gift of giving to tithe, you don't have to prod the administrator to get with it. They're self starters. Once they see the goal, they're all in. They love a challenge, they love to dig in, they love to take charge. Don't take me wrong now, but they love to tell people what to do. And I mean that in a positive sense. Once an administrator sets their focus out there and begins to see all the resources, they know how to pick the right people for the right job. They have an uncanny ability to do that. And they easily see what jobs need to be done, and they delegate those jobs out, and they get the job done. Now, as we describe the administrator, how many of you can say, the Holy Ghost is showing me that's me? Keep your hand up. All right, I want Valerie taking names there. There there, there we go. All right. I see you back there, Brendan. Did you raise your hand? Okay, two hands. All right. All right. Now we're coming to the seventh motivational gift. How many of you are getting anything out of this tonight? Isn't this good? Amen. And don't you want to run out? Don't you just want to go open it, the gift, and use it? Open it and use it? All right. The seventh motivational gift is mercy. Oh, I love merciful people. The meaning behind the word mercy is to be understanding, compassionate, and loving. It is to have pity on, to be compassionate by word or deed, and specifically by divine grace. This is Cindy's gift. My wife, Cindy, this is her gift. This is it. This is her motivation. Mercy. Let me go on and tell you the Apostle John is probably... The person who best personifies the motivational gift of mercy among all the apostles and in the New Testament in general. Because when you think about the gospel of John and the epistles, what word comes to your mind when you think of John? Love. If you read 1 John 1, 2, and 3, John, what do you hear over and over again? My little children, love. My little children, love one another. For love is of God. And he that loves is born of God and knows God, right? Mercy, he drips with mercy. Um, His teachings and his personal relationships illustrate that his primary focus was on love and unity. He was very, very good friends with Peter and Jesus. What was he known as? The, The disciple who Jesus love. Uh, It was John that had his head in Jesus' chest listening to him. And that may sound strange to us today, but it wasn't. He he was a relator. He was a relationship guy, okay? Now, the person with a motivational gift of mercy has first a keen ability to sense joy and to sense distress. The person with this motivational gift will walk into a, a crowd or into a group, and they will immediately home in on the emotional condition of the group. Now, the prophetic gift will walk into a group and home in on the spiritual maturity of the group. But the merciful motivation will walk in and get an immediate measure on the emotional condition of the group. They can tell if people are hurting, if they need prayer. You may think that you're hiding the way you feel real well, but the person with the motivational gift of mercy will find you out. They'll say, Are you okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, hallelujah. I'm blessed, saved, hallelujah, going to heaven, glory to God, highly favored and all that stuff. And they'll say, but, you know, I just feel like something's on your mind. You go, well, yeah, tell me about it. Let's sit down. I want to pray with you. The person with a motivational gift of mercy is always reaching out to somebody to help them emotionally. They have the ability to sense or feel the atmosphere of joy or distress where there's misery, pain, suffering, grief, or tribulation. They have a sharp, sensitive awareness of somebody else's needs. Now, let me tell you who has a challenge when somebody with a motivational gift of prophecy marries somebody with a motivational gift of mercy. <laughs> Because the prophet is always wanting to say, "Admit it and quit it. Get right with God. Repent." The one with the mercy is going, "What are you saying to them? Don't be so hard on them. No, come here. Don't listen to him." And 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 they're at loggerheads all the time because they have two completely different motivations. All right. So <laughs> I know where have I speak? A person with the gift of mercy wants to remove hurt, they say, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, now, the person sharing may be dead wrong, but the person with mercy isn't trying to defend or correct, but, uh, but they want to heal a broken heart or a broken spirit or a hurt spirit. So even if the person is wrong, they're not out to show them how wrong they are. They're out to show them they want to heal their hurt. That's mercy. That's mercy. A mercy motivation is more interested in healing than in teaching some spiritual lesson that another gift may be interested in. You get me with somebody hurting, I'm going to want to teach them why they got hurt, how they can never get hurt again, and they need to get, get right with God about what hurt them in the first place. But the mercy person isn't this way at all. They're going, I'm so sorry you're hurting. Oh, come here, let me give you a hug. Come here. And I'm going to pray for you, and I'm here for you, and I love you no matter what. That's mercy. So if you really mess up, you want somebody with that mercy gift coming alongside. Most people don't search out a prophet when they have really messed up. They just don't. Now, a person with this gift is very sensitive to hurtful words and actions. A mercy motivation will pop up and say, you really shouldn't say that. Do you think that was kind? Have, have you ever been in a conversation with a group of people, and you say something that's a little bit sharp, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, one of these people says, now that was not very kind. You should not have said that. And you felt very rebuked. You know what you were dealing with right there? Somebody with a motivational gift of mercy, all right? A mercy heart has a need for deep friendships. Prophetic people tend to be a little bit aloof, a little bit to themselves. But the merciful motivation loves getting together and fellowshipping and having really close, tight friends. Jesus with Simon Peter, he was the one who, uh, John was the one who Jesus loved. John had a close relationship with Christ and Peter. A person with a gift of mercy will demonstrate love and loyalty to a friend Man, if you come against a friend of this person's motivation, with this person's motivation, they're going to get all over you for saying something hurtful about their friend. Now, I like that. I like that. You remember when the Samaritans rejected Jesus, John was the one who said, hey, let's call fire down out of heaven on these people. It was John. Why? Because they hurt my Messiah, my Jesus of course, Jesus said, you don't even know what spirit you're speaking out of. I didn't come to burn people up. I came to save them. As we've talked about the gift of mercy, has the Holy Spirit nudged your heart? This is you. I want to see how many in here think that mercy is your, oh, we love you. We Can I get to know you after the service? I I just want to, can I get your names? Because I love the gift of mercy. Amen? Amen. All right, it's time to close out the seven motivational gifts of the spirit. Now, It does no good to go over these things unless we go, all right, I see my gift. I'm going to open it. I'm going to open it. Now, let's stand together, can we? Go ahead and stand up with me. How many of you can say, I've struggled opening up my gift and moving in it? I've struggled with it. Or I've wondered how or where I can do it. All right? A lot of you. How many of you used to flow in it, but life happened? And you got out of moving in your gift because you got hurt. All right. How many of you got burned in a church and you said, you know what? Bless God, I'll be a pew sitter, but I'm never again going to be involved. Come on. A few. I understand that. Can I tell you something? If you don't open your gift... We're robbed. That's what the Bible says. If my foot right up right now told me I am so sick of being the foot on your body, I'm going to sit here and do nothing until you make me a hand. Am I out of commission to a great extent? Is the rest of my body going to suffer? Yes. Right? So when you shut down and don't release your gift, The whole body feels it. And if you do release your gift, the whole body is made to grow. So let me tell you how you release it. Release your gift wherever you are, blossom where you're planted, move in it wherever you find yourself. Move in it. You don't have to wait for some major ministry in the church to open up and say, Come hither into this ministry and plug in. No. If you start moving in your gift, you know what will happen a lot of time? You'll create your own ministry. So I want to stir you up. What did Paul say to Timothy? Stir up. Say it with me. Stir up the gift of God that is in you. That's what he said. Stir it up. Move it by faith. Get it going again. And step out. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name. We thank you for these motivational gifts that you have put within us. And everybody in this room and everyone watching by streaming video has one. Everyone listening by radio later has one. So Lord, as children of God, help us to open it and then to use it so that others can be blessed in the name of Jesus. Can you lift your hands and say, Lord, help me to use my gift for the betterment of the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing one chorus of worship and then we're going to go tonight. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Lift your hands and let's sing to the Lord Jesus. Of yes, Lord. Sing it now. Lift it up to Jesus. The name above all names. Oh yes, Lord. He is worthy of all praise. And my heart will sing how great is our our God." God. Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise tonight. He's good. He's good. He's good. Amen.